Welcome to Socially Responsible Business with host Sharon Schneider. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to succeed financially while using your business as a force for good and spend differently without spending more. Now, here is Sharon. Welcome to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, an entrepreneur, social impact advisor, author, and speaker. I have an absolute treat for you today, the warm and wonderful Linda Apple-Lipsius. Linda has been named a visionary, a disruptor of the year, a boss lady in business, and a world-changing ideas finalist. These are the real names of real awards that this woman has received. And Linda's going to share her story as an impact entrepreneur who built a universally respected brand known for doing things better and using business as a force for good. That business is Titulia Organic Teas, which is a public benefit corporation, a B Corp, a social enterprise, and a socially responsible business, all of the above. Okay, but what does all of the above stuff mean? So before we jump in with Linda, we're just going to do a quick vocabulary lesson. So first, a public benefit corporation or a benefit corporation is a legal structure. So the different names are from different jurisdictions, but they're all a legal structure like a C corporation, a partnership, or an LLC. And tax laws treat a benefit corporation just like a C corp. Um, Instead, the key difference between those common business forms and a benefit corporation goes back to what we talked about in the very first show, shareholder primacy. So where a corporate form requires its managers to put the interests of the business owners, the shareholders, above everyone and everything else, aka maximize profits and the value of the company, a benefit corporation both allows and requires you to consider other stakeholders, customers, employees, the environment, in addition to profit when making decisions. So it's not anti-profit, it's just in addition to profit, you consider other people and the impacts on those other stakeholders. So a benefit corporation has that requirement built into its core legal documents. So, okay, what's a B Corp then? It's not short actually for benefit corporation, as you might think. So those are two different things. A B Corp is one who's gone through a voluntary certification process administered by the independent nonprofit B Lab. It's basically the socially responsible business equivalent of fair trade or organic, where there's a third party that verifies the way your company operates and says, yes, you adhere to these standards. You can call yourself a B Corp. So it's a really comprehensive assessment of a company's practices and outputs across five categories that might sound familiar, your governance structure, your workers, the community, the environment, and your customers. Okay, so that's the key difference. Just remember, a benefit corporation, the long formal word, is a formal legal structure with legal requirements. And B Corp, which sounds kind of informal, is the voluntary designation awarded by the nonprofit B Lab. So what about socially responsible business versus a social enterprise? Maybe you've heard those terms and think they're interchangeable, but they're not quite. So a socially responsible business is one whose core business is unrelated to social impact, but the business owners strive to be socially responsible in how they run all the different aspects of their business. So for example, a photography studio 
may seek to be responsible and make sure they pay their creative talent an appropriate wage, or a carpet cleaner or a dry cleaner may use earth-friendly cleaning agents. So your core business is a business, um, but it's sort of in the details. So this is all of you. This show is aimed at people running any kind of business, but striving to integrate their values into that business at every turn. In contrast, a social enterprise is a business for which social impact is the purpose. It is baked into the product or company. So for example, a bakery, a maintenance shop, an e-commerce fulfillment center that exists as a platform to train, employ, and support returning citizens, for example, when they're released from prison so they can transition to a stable and independent life and hopefully move on to some other kind of employment with another company. That would be an example of a social enterprise, that they're using that business specifically to solve the problem of these people need training and jobs, and I'm going to provide it for them. So last week, I told you about the last mile which is a nonprofit that teaches folks in prison to be software developers. And then they actually take on project work from clients to give those people real world experience and build a resume before they're released. So that's a social enterprise. They started with the problem they were trying to solve and built a business as the way to solve it. Okay, here's another example that relates to our guest today. One that is both a social enterprise and a socially responsible business. This is a story of a tea company that was founded to provide quality jobs, education, and other supports that lift women and their families out of poverty in a very remote area of Bangladesh. This tea company also takes great pains to use environmentally friendly practices in everything from organic growing to infinitely recyclable packaging. It's been incredibly successful as a social enterprise, helping to better the lives of Bangladeshi men, women, and children in that community, building the local economy, the ecosystem, and it's been incredibly successful as a socially responsible business. Okay, this is, comes from a website called Kona Equity, which is a firm that analyzes private company data. Are you ready for these business results? According to Kona, Annual revenue is north of $20 million. It has a strong market share in the industry, demonstrating revenue growth that is faster than the industry average. The number of employees is growing faster than the industry average. Since it was founded, the company as a whole has grown faster than the industry average, and even its web traffic rankings are better than the industry average. So that company, of course, is Titulia Organic Teas. Linda Apple Lipsius, who's with me today, is the co-founder and longtime CEO of this company. And in addition to the accolades I mentioned before, like being named one of Fortune's 20 most innovative women in food and wine, Linda is currently the executive director of a great nonprofit organization called Denver Urban Gardens, the founder of The Mama Hood, another award-winning studio, shop, and all-around safe space for new and expecting moms and their families. She's a mom of two teenagers, a yogi and all-around Colorado-style athlete, a member of the board of Colorado Public Radio, my local NPR station that is an absolute treasure. Linda, my friend, thank you for being here and welcome to Socially Responsible Business. Well, thank you. I am thrilled to be here and, uh, and looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Now, I, 
we've known each other for a few years now, and I did not know this until we'd already known each other and hung out for a while, but you come from a family of entrepreneurs. And I wonder if the entrepreneurship came first um, or the impact focus came first, or for you, they always went hand in hand. Can you tell us a little bit about your family business and sort of experience growing up and how that shaped you? Yeah. So, um, yep. Come from an entrepreneurial family. Um, my, my dad started, my mom and dad, uh, started, uh, Orange Glow International, which became a global brand, uh, cleaning products company that actually was established as environmentally friendlier cleaning products. Um, and that's something that I think in the, in the messaging, maybe it's, you know, it's not sort of the primary focus at this point, but, um, and yeah, and I grew up a completely entrepreneurial family. So my dad was always, you know, he, he had about five to 10 other businesses before this one sort of landed and took off. And, um, and I think, you know, from the entrepreneurial side, I think it really does affect sort of your, you know, I always wonder if it is actually like genetic sort of DNA based, if we all have this weird recessive gene um, with high pain tolerance, <laughs> or if it's that, you know, you really just see the sort of um, resiliency that has to come from entrepreneurship. And, you know, you sort of have, you're, you're going and presenting an idea that hasn't existed before everyone, you know, people tell, you know, the first time they hear it and being able to sort of withstand that and keep going. So on the entrepreneurship side, uh, you know, I think it was very much, I'm very much a product of my environment. Um, and the rest of my family is also has that weird recessive change. <laughs> so doing things, uh, doing entrepreneurial things. And then as far as the impact piece goes, you know, like I say, I mean, the, that, the or orange glow was very, um, eco-focused and that was really the primary appeal when the business got started was that it was cleaner it didn't have the harmful chemicals and, and toxic chemicals um, and so that was very foundational to it I think my own sort of awareness very much happened you know my, my own entrepreneurial journey really kicked off uh, when Titoli was kicking off in the mamahood and just that heightened awareness um, I, and I had just had my first kiddo so you know baby Dorothy had come along and and I think it just really increased increasingly uh, made me aware that, look, you know, I'm, I, I need to use my gifts. I need to, need to use my work uh, to make this world a better place today and for my kids and for generations to come. Um, so I think that was sort of the two together, uh, you know, resulted in what we got today. Yeah. <laughs> and I know your daughter, Dorothy, is like my daughter, Audrey, which is they are far more environmentally like... Yeah intense at, you know, 15 and 17 than, than I certainly ever was. Right. And they love to shop vintage and, um, and, you know, think about these things in a way that I think we, we came to much later in life. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating when you look at the the issues, right. That are facing the sort of teens, you know, folks in their teens and their twenties right now, it climate is one, two, and three. Like it is the most important thing on their radar. And when you listen to, you know, things going on in politics and things going on in business, I mean, that is the messaging that matters. And I am so inspired and hopeful for the true commitment they have. Like you see, it's like they would much rather go to vintage of like, you know, a second, third or fourth hand, you know, uh, article of clothing than something new. And and it's it's really exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah. And we need the, it. So. The kids are all right, as they say. The kids, kids are, are all right. More than all right. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, I think that's a great point about maybe the environmentalism of Orange Glow and OxyClean, right? Was the kind of 
a flagship product was not front and center because at the time people's messaging was more about effectiveness um, yeah. and environmental considerations were sort of a nice to have or like a bonus, but they weren't going to switch and they weren't going to pay more for those mm -hmm. kinds of things back then. Do you think that that's changing with like this new generation as well? Sort of. And and I appreciate that point. It's, it's completely legit. And like you say, it's a nice by the way, but it can't, it's still, I think even with the kids, if it's not stylish, they're still not going to get it, Right. <laughs> you know, but it, but it is, it has increased in importance um, for sure. But at the end of the day, from a business perspective, a product still needs to work and deliver on the promise. Yeah. That's definitely what we found with Moxygene, my own startup back in the day was convenience, fashion were number one and two, and then it was a nice to have. Um, and so it was uh, it was about how do you make the environmentally better choice as fashionable, as attractive, as much of a of a winner to solve their problem as anything else. All right, you're listening to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, and I'm talking with Linda Apolipsius, co-founder of Titulia Organic Teas. When we come back, we're going to talk about how the business got started and some of the lessons, costs, and benefits that come with being a socially responsible business. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. If you're a business owner who wants to use the power of free enterprise to not just help yourself and your own family, but your employees, your community, and the world at large, then tune in to Socially Responsible Business. Host Sharon Schneider, a serial entrepreneur and impact advisor to some of the world's most prominent families, will help you uncover all the ways you can succeed financially while using your business as a force for good. Every show will include practical ideas and tools that you can implement right away. And it's not about spending more money. It's about thinking and spending differently. Socially Responsible Business, hosted by Sharon Schneider. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. Have a question for Sharon or her guests? Email her at Sharon at theintegratedlife.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Schneider, and I'm here today with Linda Apolipsius, co-founder of Titulia Organic Teas, and now the executive director of Denver Urban Gardens, which we'll get to in a bit. So, Linda, how does someone living in Denver possibly start a tea business in Bangladesh? <laughs> well, um, I have very uh, brilliant, inspired partners. Um, you know, it takes a team to do, to do all good things. Um, so I got involved with the, the tea garden. So our business, uh, sources 
the majority of the teas from our own 3,000 acre regenerative organic tea garden in Bangladesh, uh, my business partners. Uh, so uh, Kazianis Ahmed and his brothers, who were just fr actually friends of of ours um, from back in New York. Uh, they, from Bangladesh, uh, they have other sort of interests in Bangladesh. And then they started this tea garden as a social, you know, as their social enterprise, um, as a way to regenerate the land and provide, uh, you know, well-paying jobs uh, in one of the poorest regions of one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, so that, that was my connection. So, you know, so they they had the vision, they had the, the brilliance to put this in place. And then my opportunity was to create the U.S. brand. And you had that experience and know-how from your time at Orange Glow. Yeah, it was really, it was a handy sort of pairing, right? So they handled the on the ground because I, you know, and the farming and the production. Um, and then I was able to bring the the CPG, the consumer packaged goods uh, experience, so knowledge of the retail uh, segment. And then we moved on into other channels uh, down the road. And, you know, you mentioned that they started it as a social enterprise and the quality jobs was sort of a really important factor as well as the regenerative farming practices. I mean, I think when most people hear, oh, our tea producing workforce is located in Bangladesh, yeah, they might jump to a vision of, you know, women making pennies a day, stooped over in backbreaking, miserable working conditions. I mean, I went to China and you know, the late 90s. And when we visited green tea farms, they were literally called plantations. Uh, yeah. And so tell us about how you approached the Titulia workforce differently from the industry standard. Yeah, so it was, you know, it's it, the way it was set up was just um, very intentional. And, and I appreciate you calling that out. I mean, this is an industry, you know, tea is essentially a commodity. It's sourced from literally the other side of the world. So the visibility into what's going on is almost nil. Um, you know, the markup, right, from what the, you know, the women you're talking about getting paid, the markup from that to the, you know, to the product, to the consumer is just, I mean, orders of magnitude. It's multiples and multiples and multiples. So, so the workforce is not, is typically not compensated. The working conditions often are abysmal. Um, and so this was an opportunity to really create significant change on a number of fronts. Um, and what we did that, that that's unique, and I think it's unique because of the combination of, you know, my partner skills, my skills, and sort of the, the sort of bridge we were able to create is essentially a vertically integrated tea company, uh, which in this industry is really, I mean, I'm not sure that maybe at this point there are some folks who are doing it. And so what that allows is for full transparency, full accountability, um, and, you know, costs are sort of, you know, equitably, more equitably distributed across the supply chain um, in a way that, uh, yeah, results in the folks who are actually doing the work that, you know, the sort of hundreds of, of women and families who are, who are living, you know, near the garden and most directly impacted by the garden are benefiting. So by vertically, vertically integrated, you mean that like you're growing your own ingredients, you're blending your own teas, as opposed to just being the brand or the marketing, you are doing everything yeah. from the soil to the shelf. Exactly. Right. So most, you know, especially in these commodity type of, of industries, the steps that the raw material goes through to get to the consumer, multiple, you go through brokers, distributors, you know, again and again. And there are very few tea brands out there who can actually say where the tea inside is from, mm -hmm. right? So the fact that we are 
you know, we know where our tea comes from. We are responsible for it every single step of the way from garden to cup um, is something that, that just allows us to be much more careful and thoughtful um, and fair along the way. Yeah. And in particular, uh, an unusual aspect of your vertical, vertical integration, perhaps, um, has to do with your decision to be organic and use um, cow dung as your fertilizer. And that turned into a lending program for your employees where they get the cows, they repay the loan in dung. That has got to be pretty unique <laughs> in the industry. Can you tell us about that program? Yeah. So um, again, so my business partners, you know, they set this up and to, to um, really, the, the goal is to make it essentially a closed loop ecosystem. Um, and one, and what then they wanted to put wealth into the community. And so what, what they decided to do is this cattle lending program. So cows are loaned to women, exclusively women. Um, and as you said, they repay those with cow dung that we use for compost. And it's just, it's brilliant. And it really ultimately, um, you know, because there was, there's not enough cash on hand to buy the cows and, 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 and it's putting value, you know, in these natural resources. Um, and so over time, uh, the women repay the cows and there are a lot of them have multiple cows, they're buying land. Um, and it's a, it's really inspiring and it really demonstrates the opportunities for non-cash based, you know, economies and, and sort of systems as well to put, you know, just to strengthen communities. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a very intriguing system that really has worked nicely. And then they get to keep any calves that are born as well. Yeah. That right. Yeah. I mean, I love yeah. the, the point you're making about, you know, building wealth for others, which is you could have just, again, hired them to take care of the cows, but by giving them the loan of the cow and allowing them to earn that back, it grows their wealth and wealth and equity, like owning something, equity, owning mm -hmm. a cow, owning a house, owning a business is the path to wealth. Nobody's ever got, okay, 10 CEOs a year get wealthy from salary. But for the vast majority of Americans, wealth comes from ownership. It comes from equity. And so thinking about how you can build their wealth and give them something they own, I think is just absolutely fantastic example. As you said, without like them having to have a bunch of cash outlay, um, which they, they don't, they don't, they don't mm -hmm. have that kind of savings. And the garden needs it, right? So it's just, it's acknowledging, you know, this is really a win-win. Um, and yeah, and it just makes the whole the whole system possible. Yeah, and, and how does it affect your bottom line? Like, does that program cost you money or is it money you'd be spending anyway? Or how does that affect the business? Oh gosh, I don't know. I think, I feel like it nets out um, pretty, pretty evenly because the, you know, what would be, what we would need to sort of have that level of compost and that level of, you know, sort of, again, or we'll call it euphemistically organic material, um, <laughs> you know, is, would, would be quite a bit. So I think just the fact that it's built into the system um, has been really important. And, and I'm going to use this as a real quick bridge just over to the choice to go organic and regenerative. Um, you know, I think this is something that, uh, you know, it's just critical to this brand. And this is another thing we we're talking about working conditions. Um, you know, organic tea 
is something that is so important because the nature of this work is mostly women are in the field, uh, you know, plucking and picking the tea. And when you have chemical pesticides and fertilizers on the plant material, it's, you know, not just are the conditions, you know, challenging and rigorous and low paid, but they're, they're, they're absorbing these toxic materials. And so the decision to go organic affects the, the land, uh, you know, and the sort of health of the land and the soil, it affects the health of the women. It affects you when you're enjoying your cup of, you know, chemically infused or not, um, tea and you know tea isn't washed before you drink it. So so that decision and that system really affects every single person along the supply chain. Yeah, and I've heard you say that you wish we could go backwards. And I think this this is the kind of thing you're talking about. What do you mean by that? Well, I think it's just you know when I first went to the garden, you know, a million years ago, fifteen years ago, <laughs> um, you know, you're looking around and hearing about regenerative practices, and regenerative is becoming more and more, you know, sort of people are talking about it and understanding what it is, um, and it's really it's it's indigenous practices. It's the it's the you know you're you're learning about these, and you're like, oh, this is so cool, and you're like, wait, 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 this is actually how the earth has operated and healed itself and regenerated itself for thousands of years. And what happened in between with the G with science, with all the, you know, chemical, again, chemical pesticides and fertilizers that were part of the um, industrial, you know, sort of agriculture and chemical complex that have really permeated and penetrated our food system. Um, and so it's just how, the planet works. And, you know, and if you think that mother nature doesn't know what she's doing, <laughs> like she knows what she's doing. So these are really, these practices are acknowledging and sort of, uh, you know, stepping back a little bit um, as well as getting, you know, more involved to sort of, to get that system sort of fired up again. Yeah. I've, I've seen that same idea in the United States around like indigenous knowledge that the future of the environmental movement is actually the past of going back to a lot of indigenous practices around things like rotating crops or, you know, giving land rest time or, you know, allowing the cattle to graze over, you know, the land in between. I mean, all these things that we thought were, you know, not very sophisticated actually turns out to be really sophisticated. We just didn't understand. Right. And I think, you know, maybe carrying on or, or going back a little bit more on that is this acknowledgement that we we think that we're not part of the same system as the trees. We think we're not part of the same system as the water. We are, right? Like, like to think that we're so dis- disconnected and dissociated from the earth and from, uh, you know, the plants and the animals uh, is doesn't make any sense. And so, so that's, I think, where a lot of the sort of, you know, past indigenous ways just start to have, they, they just have so much knowledge and it's so much learned and forgotten knowledge that um, there's, there's, I just think it, there's very much opportunity going forward as people become open and receptive and re-remember these things. Yeah. And, and telling that story is, has been important, I think, for you, you you've talked about the importance of storytelling, which some other people might be thinking of, like building the brand. You know, how does how does that fit into the marketing and the storytelling that Titulia directs toward its customers? And we just have a few seconds before break. If you want to start that, we can yeah. continue. Yeah, it is absolutely building the brand, <laughs> but building the brand. I mean, in modern 
society, modern consumers, brands are more than just, you know, things that you pick up off the shelf. Um, you know, their lifestyles, there was way, there's ways for people to educate themselves and, and be activists, honestly. Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a very powerful and critical tool, I think, to a brand's uh, success and longevity. You're listening to Social Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, talking with Linda Apolipsius, co-founder of Chichulia Organic Teas. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insights from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, and get hired into the career you want and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. Have a question for Sharon or her guests? Email her at Sharon at TheIntegratedLife.com. Now, back to the show. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And thanks to my guest today, Linda Apolipsius of Titulia Organic Teas. And Linda, I want to kind of shift down to some of the key levers that are driving your business success and how they are related to your social impact mission. What would you identify as the key levers, um, you know, that have that have helped Titulia to grow into all of those wonderful kind of market leading, segment leading, um, you know, positions that uh, I mentioned at the top of the show? Yeah, I mean, I think what we finished off with you know, in terms of storytelling, I think that's, you know, something that um, a brand is that, you know, and Tituli is a premium brand, right? We're, you know, we're not the, the cheapest. Um, and so in order for people to make that decision to go with a more expensive brand and to stay with it, you need to have that emotional connection and you need to feel that there's more than just a transaction, um, at play. And so that storytelling, that richness, that connection to origin is absolutely something that has, that has won us business and that keeps the business um, because people do have those extra layers. And at the end of the day, yes, social media is great and all that, but this, these are, we're still humans who need to connect with each other. And that's the compelling reason for us to, to do business. So, um, so there's that. I think um, we have a, a really interesting channel strategy as well um, that has evolved over the years. And this is something I think when people are setting up businesses, you know, it's important to have a plan and it's important to be responsive to, you know, what the market feeds back and what you learn. Um, and I'm a very big fan and it's the same with the, the organization I'm at now at Doug is I also think it's important to have 
different channels with different rhythms um, and sort of different uh, dynamics at play. So Titulia, um, so when and we started retail or grocery, um, and that's sort of uh, we're winding that down a bit now, just because it's a you know for for interesting dynamics that are at play and for young brands in in uh, in grocery, um, and and a channel that emerged kind of unexpectedly or, or maybe opportunistically is food service, and so our our biggest channel is food service, and we define that as it's restaurants, uh, colleges and universities, and office coffee um, and coffee and tea, and that has turned out to just be a, a glorious channel for us um, because, you know, it's very, still very person to person. It's very relationship based. Um, you get an opportunity in these settings to truly tell your story, you know, versus grocery where you've got a package on the shelf and you're like hoping somebody turns it around and reads it. You know, there's usually an opportunity for more of a display. There's usually an opportunity for uh, employee engagement or student engagement. Um, and, and you have the implicit endorsement of the institution where you're being served. So, so that's another one. And then, so we've got a uh, food service. There's also kind of a white label, label or ingredient business. And then there's online. And all of those have different dynamics, different margins, different buying cycles, uh, which protects the business. So when something, you know, when COVID comes in and, you know, sort of the, the world shifts, it gives you some flexibility, um, you know, to maneuver into each of those. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's, and then it's a couple of other real benefits that come from having a business like, Titulia, that's really rich in story, is we're able to attract and retain employees. Um, and, you know, we're a B Corp, there's a, a benefit corporation at this point. And there's a lot of folks out there who want more from their work. You know, they really want to go to work every day, holding their head high, knowing that they're making a difference. And that, you know, that type of business really attracts people, but it keeps them. And we all know, you know, employee turnover is incredibly costly to an organization. Um, and so that's that's another uh, tremendous benefit. You know, the, the point you made about having an opportunity to tell your impact story, to tell your socially responsible story, that is much greater in some of these channels like food service, where maybe there's a buyer that is going to be doing some research and actually looking you know, into their options is something I've never really thought about before, right? Whereas somebody standing on in front of your product at the grocery store, it's a pretty quick, and maybe they notice, oh, it's fair trade, oh, it's organic. But in terms of that robust storytelling, you know, a, a finding an audience or a channel where there's someone whose job it is to think about this and spend some time on it and make a really good choice as opposed to I'm only buying a box and then I'm leaving. It doesn't matter that much is, is a really great insight, I think, for companies, again, on how they can stand out is to think who's the equivalent for me in my business of that institutional, you know, coffee and tea buyer at the university that might be able to provide some stability and large, you know, orders, how can I find that person? Yeah. And I think they, sometimes it's hard, it takes longer to get because these institutions don't, they don't carry 200 brands of tea, right? They carry one. Yeah. So sometimes it takes a little bit longer to break through, but once you're in, it is like the single bullseye focus of the institution, of the buyer, and you know your your goal is to take you know really good care and make sure that their needs are being met so that that stays in place. Yeah, and and you mentioned and we talked about at the top uh, 
sort of these third-party certifications. Titulia is a B Corp, and remember that's the voluntary uh, certification, um, as well as Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified. So, I mean, the bottom line is, do you think it's worth it? Uh, what was that process like for the company? Um, you know, is it challenging? Is it expensive? And yeah, ultimately, do you think it's worth it? Yeah, so we're so we actually are a benefit corporation now. That happened a couple of years ago, um, and I I think B Corp of all of the certs is the one that I find the most compelling, um, and just because it's you know you were I think it's a triple it's triple bottom line measures right. So it's not just you know organic or it's not just sourcing. It's it's complete picture of the organization and you know financial sustainability and sort of business sustainability is is considered and is important. So I think that's something that I um, it just is more holistic. It I think it resonates for people maybe more than some of the others. Um, and so I think organic also critical. Uh, you know, fair trade and rainforest. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all important and they all speak to different audiences too. So some of our channels are more uh, interested in fair trade, for example, other channels might be more interested in organic. Um, so I think they're good to have. I think they're just, they're signals to the consumer that these are brands you can trust. I don't know that you need to sort of get everyone in the book, but, um, you know, but I do think that they're, they're used, like I say, useful signals. Yeah. I mean, if I see something that is a B Corp, then that's a no brainer for me because I know that it's been holistically, you know, evaluated and, and independently verified across all those dimensions as opposed to just one. So I agree. I think B Corp is sort of the gold standard of social impact uh, certifications for sure. And hopefully we'll, we'll get someone from B Corp on the show to, to kind of tell us more about that. But how do you know, I guess I would say that, you know, you said some channels care more than others. How do you know that they care? I mean, what is the kind of, is it just straight up sales or, you know, do the customers say, well, I just really love the tea. It is award-winning for taste as well. So, you know, would you, would you have the same, business results if you weren't doing all this stuff or do your customers tell you or show you somehow that they really care yeah i mean i guess what i'm thinking is you know like in, in for consumers right organic is going to be the most or understood um and uh you know sort of appreciated cert so i think in the, in the consumer facing world that's probably the, been the most valuable to us because it at least indicates that we're doing that um, in food service, sometimes fair trade becomes more important to them. Um, and and I think would we have the same success if we didn't have it? Maybe. Um, but I think it just cuts down on some conversations you have to have, you know, <laughs> because it's just it's, it's shorthand, uh, you know, that you're already doing these things. Mm -hmm. Has it helped you to have conversations with potential employees? I mean, you sort of mentioned loyalty, mm -hmm. but you know, do you, do you also kind of find that people are already on board when they get to you? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> we sort of jokingly describe it. When you're selling a premium product, it's a hard sell, right? You get told no a lot because, you know, for the folks who are really just focused on price, so you have to be a true believer. I mean, it's really, you know, when you, some of the, some of this work that's, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not the highest salary that you're going to get in the world, um, you know, and, and it's a lot of work, you know, to get in the door. 
you sure better love your work. <laughs> so, you know, so it is, it is kind of a filter. Um, people who do come to us and are interested, you know, are you, I would always call them true believers. Yeah. Yeah. One of my um, colleagues found how important or how difficult I would say it was he'd been in one situation building from scratch, like building a culture, new, you know, new location, new team, everything was new. So he could kind of set it up that way from the beginning compared to uh, when he came into an environment that had an existing culture that was much more about a traditional version of success and, you know, uh, and how, how much more challenging that was um, to, to turn the Titanic than to build a new ship with the, you know, people drawn to what you're building. Right, right. But I, I always believe you can turn it. Yeah. <laughs> One conversation yeah. at a time. Yeah. Patience, right? Time, patience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what made you think it was time to move on from the CEO role? I mean, you were, um, you know, over 10 years, you were co-founder and CEO, CEO and stepped down from that position. And, and we'll talk again about where you are now um, after the break. But what gave you the confidence that the company would continue to thrive both, you know, financially as well as in its social impact mission? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where, you know, the confidence in the mission is where B Corp and benefit corporations come into play because it gets baked into the corporate structure. So I, and as we talked about earlier, the whole brand foundation was based on this, you know, doing, using business as a force for good, doing things better. So that wasn't ever, um, that really wasn't ever concern. Um, the team, you know, just a really solid team. And because there was so little turnover, you know, I was really comfortable that the folks who were going to be carrying it forward um, were in a good place. And uh, yeah, and I think it's just, it was definitely an interesting um, thought exercise just going through. And, and I had been there for 15 years um, and, you know, when you get to a point and the decision really happened around COVID that, you know what, this is amazing. I'm so proud and I'm so happy with it. Um, and there are more adventures to be had and there's more things to, to learn. So um, I think it was a really uh, interesting confluence of events that happened uh, and, the, and, you know, and the business is at a great place now. So I'm happy with how it's gone. And I think baking it into the legal documents. Yeah. It can be so underappreciated, like because a new leader could come in and change the culture. They could right. change, you know, some of the way that you do business, right? And look at what happened. One of the kind of canon examples in social impact or social enterprises um, is Ben and Jerry's, which got mm -hmm. bought by was a Unilever, uh, got bought yes. by like a much bigger corporate entity. And a lot of yes. folks feel like it sort of lost some of that magic yeah. that made it what it was in the beginning. And so I think this is always a really gut-wrenching question for a founder is to say, how do I make sure I leave behind? And so that ethos, the identity, but also the legal documents um, right. really matters. The management protection is really important, and that's what that gives it. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, and I'm talking with Linda Apolipsius, co-founder of Titulia Organic Teas. When we come back, I'm going to ask Linda to share her current passion with us and get her advice about the next right thing. Stay tuned. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. <laughs> Follow us at Voice America TRN. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. Have a question for Sharon or her guests? Email her at Sharon at TheIntegratedLife.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back and thank you for listening. So I'm Sharon Schneider and I'm learning a ton from my guest, Linda Apolipsius, and I know you are too. So Linda, let's talk about your current day job as the executive director of Denver Urban Gardens. Tell us about Doug uh, and how your current, current role relates to everything you learned at Titulia. Yeah, so I'm executive director at Denver Urban Gardens. We are a 45-year-old nonprofit, Denver, Metro Denver-based, and we support uh, 200 community gardens across seven counties in Metro Denver, along with 20 food forests. And we have food access programming and uh, general uh, you know, education, adult and youth education as well. So, um, so I've been there, gosh, over three years. And you actually rightly pointed out a, a delightful through line is it's gardens. And <laughs> where I was at, you know, with Titulia was also gardens. But, you know, I left Titulia, as I said, because I was really, it was time. It was time to move on. It was time to explore uh, sort of new territory. Um, I was also looking for an opportunity to have greater impact or just more hands-on impact. Um, and so... What this has done and, and the sort of interesting through line for me is, you know, we talked about Tituli and the regenerative organic practices in our garden in Bangladesh. This is now taking those practices and taking that regenerative knowledge and permaculture principles and giving people the opportunity and the tools to apply it in their own community gardens or in their own backyards. And I think when we speak about especially the climate piece, it's so overwhelming. It's so big. People are looking for a way to really like make positive change, make their community better, make the planet better, um, you know, help with food access. And that's what, you know, that's what this does. So it's, it's been incredibly uh, fun um, and rewarding. Listen, Doug is an incredibly well-respected organization. And, you know, again, you're out there winning awards for, 
the innovative impact that you're having. And it's just fantastic to see. There's a Doug Garden about a block from my house. Um, and it's just such a, a bright spot here in, in Denver. So last week, we talked about employee volunteering um, as part of corporate social responsibility programs. And so you use quite a lot of volunteers in your gardens and have opportunities for employee volunteerism. How do you organize those opportunities to make sure that they are benefiting Doug as well as the corporate entity that's sending its employees to dig in the dirt for a day? Yeah, so we, uh, so we're a staff of 22, and yet we work with about 1,500 volunteers a year. Um, and those volunteers do things from seed sorting in the office to building gardens, to weeding, to you know digging in the dirt, and as we like to say, getting dirty with Doug. Um, and so for us, you know, it's helpful for us because the work is getting done, which is great, but it's more, almost more interesting and exciting because we're inviting the community in to be part of a new garden. Uh, you know, we're, we're inviting the community in to bring a, another group's vision to reality. We just, we just put up a new garden at Firefly Autism this year, and we have had 10, 15 volunteer work days. And so what that was is we were, you know, inviting folks from the community to not only come in and get dirty and dig in the soil and build flop orders, but along the way, they're realizing, oh, this is Firefly Autism. Oh, this is going to be an opportunity for these, these beautiful children and adults to, you know, benefit from this garden and, you know, a benefit to the broader community. So, so that's sort of this, this win-win, I think, as far as engaging the community in our work. And when we do work days, uh, you know, yes, we're going to give you a tool and a task, um, but we're also going to tell you about Doug. Um, and why you're here. And, you know, we're a neat organization because we will, of course, take your checks all day long, but there are ways for you and your team to get engaged and to do work, um, meaningful work, uh, you know, out in the community. And, and we really, I came to Doug during COVID and this was a time that people weren't even going into the office. So it's just an extra layer of benefit uh, that you get to come out and hang out with your, you know, with your colleagues. And, I think you told me you actually charge corporations for the sort of yeah. volunteer, which I think is brilliant and every nonprofit should do that. I mean, how did that come about? Agreed. Yeah, well, I mean, my, when I arrived, I, I also inherited a brilliant team. Um, so the, the woman who is now our director of corporate partnerships was then building gardens and leading volunteer workdays. And she's like, why? She's <laughs> like, why are we asking afterwards, you know, and, you know, in case they would, they'd like to make a donation. And you realize like, this is, this is a benefit that organizations are looking for. And so we charge, I mean, it's 2,500. It's not, not a lot for people to come out and spend the day with us, but that's a donation to Doug, you know, ultimately it's a, it's a write-off. It's a, you know, it's a tax deductible donation. Um, and we have really over the last few years, um, started to create a lot of corporate programs. So different ways that companies, and I think we talked about this, companies are made up of people, right? Companies are made up of gardeners, non-gardeners, people who care about food, community, and climate. Um, and so it's, it's, it's opportunities for the people in the companies, as well as the sort of overall, you know, um, company to get engaged with Doug. So we have volunteer work days, we have uh, garden adoptions. So companies can adopt a garden and it's a way for them to, you know, again, not just write a check, but to really engage in a garden, to do, to partner with the garden leader, 
um, and to integrate themselves. And they get a sign with their logo up on the garden and really integrate themselves and be part of the community. Um, so we do that, we, you know, and we've got a whole like list of opportunities um, for companies and individuals as well as community groups to engage with us. Yeah. I'm glad that you have different kinds of volunteering opportunities because I cannot keep a succulent alive. Like you don't want me anywhere near your garden if you want things to grow. So I'm, I'm like seed sorting. That sounds great. Yes, um, we all have our gifts. <laughs> so. my, my daughter literally crocheted a succulent like made out of yarn for me because then I couldn't oh, kill it that was like my beautiful <laughs> resident. I love beautiful. it it's beautiful beautiful well um so for people listening who might think you know Titulia that sounds amazing but I don't have the connections or, the, or maybe the drive let's be honest to start a tea garden halfway around the world what is the next right thing that they can implement in their own business in their own office in their own product like what what's one simple thing that people can learn from your experience and apply today yeah, I mean, I think it's, to your point, it's one simple thing. I mean, I think it's just, you need to look at your community. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of feel like it is, you know, small steps, right? If you're at a company that really isn't necessarily doing, you know, and taking a lot of steps, maybe you identify a champion. Maybe you identify somebody who's really into recycling or composting and you invite them to set up a, you know, a program in your organization. Um, I'm a really big fan, going back to B Corp, of looking at the assessment, so, so go and get download the B Corp assessment online and pick one, right? Pick something that you're going to do, whether it's you, you upgrade your employee handbook, whether it's you do a vendor scorecard, whether it's, you know, looking at your, your community engagement and involvement program. So, so I think it's, you know, pick one, don't be in a rush. You're not going to boil the ocean. Um, but if you start to plug in and invite people to engage in things that they care about, because again, it's people who are making up all of our businesses, um, you know, finding something that means something, they'll get behind it. They will be able to very easily encourage their colleagues to get behind it. Uh, and then slowly, you know, there just becomes an increasing awareness of opportunities to use business as a force for good. That's great. And and we will put a link to the B Corp assessment tool on our website. So visit theintegratedlife.com for links to resources mentioned in today's show. And um, of course, to pick up your copy of Handbook for an Integrated Life. Um, I think it really is an important part of the philosophy of just keep taking small steps. It's okay if they're small, you just got to keep going and not be satisfied like, well, I did a recycling program, so I'm done. Uh, but to look at what's the next thing, what's the next thing um, that I can do to, to keep making progress toward being that socially responsible business. So, Linda, before we let you go, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your various uh, adventures? Yeah, so you can go to the websites, right? So teacherlia.com and doug.org. Uh, and there are loads of ways to bring beautiful uh, regenerative organic teas to your home. And there's loads of way to, ways to come and get dirty with us. 
Awesome. We'll make sure we put links to all of that um, as well. So thank you, yes. everybody, for listening today to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider. We've been talking with Linda Apolipsius, co-founder of Titulia Organic Teas and the executive director of Denver Urban Gardens. Make sure that you bookmark our show on voiceamerica.com and be sure to tune in next Monday, uh, same time, same bat channel. Everybody have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. We hope we've given you some ideas of how your business can succeed while being a force for good. Until we talk again, visit www.theintegratedlife.com for resources to take a small but meaningful step today. 